0: It's the hardest thing I've ever been through, like going through this um, whole experience of having to come to terms with not having kids when it was something I dreamed about for so long is is the is the hardest thing I've ever been through. And um, I think having the chronic pain and the illness stuff being tied into that was really hard because it's, it's also difficult to be managing all of that.
1: Hello, hello, welcome to 30 and a bit. My name is Pete and each episode, I try to solve one of the questions you run into after hitting the big 3-0 together with an expert. Today's question is, how can I find peace with being involuntarily childless? Our amazing expert today is Katie Seppi. Katie is 41 years old and lives in Savannah, Georgia. Katie is childless after infertility and is six years post hysterectomy. She has a master's in social works and works with the childless community full-time. Welcome, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you, thanks for inviting me. First question I ask every expert is, how
0: were your 30s? My 30s were chaotic Um, and there was a lot of like forced growth, I would say.
1: Forced growth, and obviously, of the subject at hand. But any more examples?
0: Well, I think um, I had a really chaotic childhood. And so I was going into my 30s feeling like I had gotten to a place where my life felt more stable. I had like built my own stability, things felt calmer. And then I got thrown into, as we'll be talking about, um, like a lot of chronic illness issues that came up, um, years of infertility, a lot of like identity work. And so, uh, yeah, they just felt very chaotic, I would say. How do you feel about being in this new decade in your 40s? Um, It's great so far. I, I mean, it's just been one year, but I am very hopeful that this That my 40s will be what I was hoping my 30s would be, which was like some time where I got to like have some peace and calm and just structure and have it be a little bit smoother. So fingers crossed for that.
1: Fingers crossed, indeed. (laughs) Just a quick FYI for the listeners: we'll be saying childless a lot in this episode, but what we'll always mean is involuntarily childless or childlessness, not by choice. These are other ways of basically talking about the same thing. Wanted to quickly point that out. Can you tell us some more about your story? How did you find out that you had fertility issues? Um,
0: Well, I was trying to get pregnant and it wasn't happening. So um, that was really, you know, the crux of it. And I, I had spent a full year, um, actively trying to conceive. And I had gone into it feeling like, Ooh, I've got this. Like I have been monitoring my cycles, like doing temperature monitoring for years and like just felt really in tune with my body and knew exactly what days to try. So I was like, Ooh, I I've got this. This would be easy. And, um, after a year, uh, I was not pregnant. And so I, that's what threw me
1: into, um, you know, starting to explore with doctors, kind of what might be going on. And how did you end up getting to the decision of having a hysterectomy done?
0: Um, I'm always really careful about how my, I tell my story about my hysterectomy because I want to make really clear that a, a hysterectomy doesn't cure endometriosis. So so I have endometriosis, which is a condition where um, tissue that's similar to the lining of your uterus um, grows outside of your uterus and it can be on you know other parts of your body. So it can be in Um, like for me, I had it on my bladder, my bowels, um, my, just around like my pelvic floor, just all over. Um, and a lot of times hysterectomies are, are prescribed for that as a treatment. And it's not actually a treatment because it doesn't actually remove the endometriosis, um, since it can, you know, grow in other places in your body. Um, and so I also want to be really clear about that because there's a lot of confusion with the endometriosis community, um, about about that, so that's going to be my disclaimer. That you know, I do understand that I'm not saying that you should get a hysterectomy if you have endometriosis. Um, but I also had fibroids um, that were recurring, so I had had um, them removed twice, and they were you know kept just growing back really really quickly, and um, were causing really painful periods and really heavy periods. And part of my decision to get a hysterectomy was um, because of the fibroids and also just because in talking to my doctor about like what would give me the chance to have like the best quality of life that I could in terms of my health, because my health was so bad. It was really debilitating. Like on a daily basis, I was in so much pain. I couldn't really, um, do the daily things that I wanted to do. And so, um, based on my doctor's recommendation, you know, I did decide to have a hysterectomy. Um, I did keep, uh, one of my ovaries. And so I still have that, but I removed everything else and, um, have also had two surgeries for excision for endometriosis, which is like the gold standard of care. So that's where they go in and actually remove, um, all the endometriosis from the different areas of your body where they find it. And, um, that's the best treatment that we have available. So I've had that done twice, um, in addition to my hysterectomy. So I know that was like a long answer, but I feel like with um, within these communities, there's a lot of misinformation. So I try to be really clear about, um, you know, what it is and, and what I had the hysterectomy for. So yeah, um, uh, the, the very short answer is it was the best option for me in terms of my quality of life and being able to,
1: um, have a better chance at a pain-free life. We already, was it already impossible for you to have kids before? Was that already established?
0: My, ch- my doctor had given me the, he said the chances of me conceiving naturally, like without medical intervention would be like less than 1%. Like it was it was almost okay. sure it was not going to happen just because of how um, advanced my endometriosis was and it was affecting my ovaries and it was just, you know, really bad. So um, I did do one round of um, IVF and I did not have any embryos that were um, – that were viable that would lead to a pregnancy. So I never even got to do like an implantation from that. It was just like, they did the retrieval, they let those grow out, they did the genetic testing and, and um, I just had to let all those embryos go. And that process was so hard on my body. Like my symptoms for uh, my, my pain and my periods were just so much worse after that, um, that I just decided I really couldn't put my body through it again. And, um, at that point I'd also been trying to conceive for, um, about three, three, three and a half years. And I was kind of just hitting a limit. It was impacting so much of my life and it, it kind of takes over. Like you can't do it casually. It just becomes, it became like all I thought about and, you know, mm-hmm. putting so much time and energy in and going to all these doctor's appointments. And I just uh, kind of hit a limit with that, I think too. So. You know, there there were other options I technically could have pursued. Even now, you know, I could uh, have an egg retrieval done on my one remaining ovary and then have a surrogate. Like there, there, a lot of times there are things you could do. I could look into adoption. But um, after exploring all of the options that would be available to me to become a parent, I decided that um, none of them were things I wanted to pursue, and so. Um the, the idea of having choice around this is really weird because in some ways it's like, yeah, there are things I could have done. So maybe it's a choice that I didn't pursue like really extreme measures. But also um, I, I feel like I didn't have a choice because I did try a lot for a lot of years and uh, you know, didn't have a baby. so
1: And what did that do to you mentally? You were in so much physical pain. You decided to have the operation done and then you had to make peace with being unable to conceive children. Um, what does that do to someone?
0: It's the hardest thing I've ever been through. Like going through this um, whole experience of having to come to terms with not having kids when it was something I dreamed about for so long is is the is the hardest thing I've ever been through. And um, I think having the chronic pain and the illness stuff being tied into that was really hard because it's it's also difficult to be managing all of that when you feel so awful, like on a daily basis and are in pain. Um, so yeah, it was really hard. I think in some ways I started grieving like throughout those three and a half years that I was going through infertility. And by the time that I had my hysterectomy, um, I, I, it did throw me into a lot of grief, but it also in a weird way kind of gave me this final closure of, I, I know that I'm not I'm not living in this in between anymore, where I'm still thinking every month, like, maybe this will happen. You know, maybe it's still going to be a thing. Maybe I can try something else. It did kind of close that door in a way that in some ways brought some relief and, and a closure of, okay, this is just what it is now. And what does that mean for me? And what, what does that mean about how I can plan for my future? And that's a big deal because when you're in the middle of trying to conceive and it's not happening and you're going, you know, three or four years without getting pregnant, you're still making decisions a lot of times for your future. And you have that in the back of your mind, like, you know, here in the US, it's like, do we need to buy a house that's in a specific area? So we're in a good school district. Um, Do I need to keep my job so that I have maternity benefits like maternity leave? You know, you're making you're trying to plan for your future, but it could look very different depending on if it happens or not. So there was some, I think, just comfort in having that door closed and being able to just feel like I had some um, control of my life back.
1: And you said in uh, on your Instagram that you have found peace with it, although the emotions still come in waves, as you say it. Mm-hmm. Um, what do those waves look like?
0: Yeah, well, I, so I would say that I have, I've worked through – the the bulk of my grief like that really heavy grief that just took over for a few years i have worked through that and most days i am really happy i'm i'm actually some days happy that this is where my path took me like i've really grown comfortable in the life that i have and have like found i don't know i kind of look at it as you when you think you're going to have a kid you reserve a lot of space in like your heart and your life and your future and what you're envisioning. Like you reserve space for that. And oh, I think over the past few years, I knowing that that wasn't going to be a part of my life, I was able to start thinking about what else I wanted in my life and filling that space with other things. And so I think that has helped a lot to just make peace with it and and create a life that I am happy with, even though it doesn't include being a parent, but the waves of grief, they do still hit. I i think they probably always will to some degree, but they're less intense. They don't happen as often. And when they do it, it feels like more comfortable. Like I know what to do with them. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll give an example. Like I may have, uh, I don't, I don't want to give one too personal cause I don't like want to talk about, uh, you know, people that I know. But okay, so like let's say I'm at a park or something and I see like a really adorable little little baby and maybe there's something about that the interactions the mom's having with her that makes me think like, oh, I would totally would love to have done that with my baby. I might have that like pang and it might come up and maybe I'll even like cry a little bit or I'll have like emotions come up that I need to like sit with for a little bit. But the difference is that they pass pretty quickly, like they don't tend to stick around for a long time anymore, where before it just was like, constant. So I think it's with all things that we have to learn how to grieve is that you kind of can learn to befriend your grief. Uh, Where like for a while, it was like a constant companion. And now it's like, grief just shows up every now and again. I feel like we're old friends. It's like, oh, hi, I recognize you. Come (laughs) hang out with me for a cup of tea and then be on your way. You know, it's like it just feels more, there's more movement with it. It doesn't stick around as much. So it gets better.
1: That's good to hear. What has surprised you most about your journey through childlessness? Oh my gosh, so many things. I think Oh,
0: I had so many. Okay. I would say probably the biggest one is how happy I can be without a kid. Like I was really worried that my life would, this was the life that I was going to live without kids would somehow always feel like a secondary option. Like the, the life that I wanted, the, the top life that I could have would be with a kid and anything else that I experienced was going to be like second rate and I didn't think I could be this content with where I'm at and this happy with with my life without having kids um I didn't know I could like grow into that so I would say that's probably the most surprising thing
2: bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet MGM simply download the bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150 then BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See betmgm.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: What are some of the dreams you had to give up in your journey that you had about motherhood? I mean, I guess all of them, right? I think,
0: well, so I I was raised Mormon, which is like a very conservative um, Christian denomination. And in the religion I grew up with, it was very much like motherhood is your purpose. And it is the only purpose. Like, even the, what you're taught is that if you like, let's say you have infertility and you can't have children in this life, um, even then the teachings are that once you die, you can become, sorry, you can become a mom once you're in heaven of like spirit children. And then eventually you could like populate your whole, whole like planet of your own with children. It's like very unique doctrine (laughs) that this church has, but I spent my whole life being told that like this is your role. Family is the most important thing. Your your role in life is to be a mom. And I think that even outside of the religious context I was raised in, there's a lot of societal messages that really attach um, being a woman to being a mom, and that that is like the most important thing or the most fulfilling thing that you can do. And that's really hard to undo that messaging. You know, because of that, I grew up having ideas about what my life with kids would look like. So I would have little like daydreams or visions of like what what I thought a daughter would be like and the things that we would do together and you know thinking about how I would want to do things, you know, maybe things that I loved about what my parents did that I wanted to make sure I could pass on to my kids or things that I felt like they didn't do well that I was going to do differently with kids. Like I think over my life I just had spent so much time just daydreaming about parenthood and what that would look like. And it is really hard to realize that none of those things are going to come to fruition. So I think being childless not by choice is difficult to describe to people because in some ways it's like, well, you didn't lose anything really because it's not like you had a child and then you lost them. But it does feel like there's a lot of loss because you're you're losing dreams and you're losing your hope for the future. And then The part I didn't expect is that you lose a lot societally. So people interact with you differently and you have to now navigate a world that assumes you're a parent when you meet people and that has specific ideas about what they think a childless person is like. Um, There's some negative stereotypes. You're going to get pity if they don't know it was by choice. You know, people are going to a lot of people are going to think you're selfish or have I don't know. There's just like a lot that we wrap up in our ideas about parenthood and non-parenthood. And so I didn't expect how much it would impact my relationships. And I don't know, often I feel like an outsider. Like it's, it's, um, there, it feels like there's a very real, like mommy club. And when you're not a part of it, you're out of a lot of conversations and you're not included in a lot of things. And, um, that part I did not expect. And I think, those are the challenge i challenges that I face more now. Um, now that I worked through a lot of my grief, I'm at a really good place with it personally. But I feel like a lot of the challenges I still face are due to um, what what are called secondary losses. You know, those mm-hmm. those um, things that aren't quite related to the original loss, but that keep popping up around
1: it. Makes a lot of sense what you said. I hadn't actually thought about it that not just You and your relationship will change, but a lot of people around you as well, to your point, like society, society has certain expectations, but also your girlfriends, like most of my girlfriends have kids at this point. I don't. And Mm -hmm. I, to my knowledge, still have a chance of having a baby. So I might get to that point where we can interact and talk about having kids. And I feel included. But right now there's a lot happening in their world that I don't know anything of. So that feeling of you knowing that you'll never get there, yeah, that must be really strange.
0: Yeah, it's it requires a lot of identity work, I think, in that way because even if you get to a place where you're good with it and you've like processed it personally, you're going to get reminded all of the time. Like You go out and meet a stranger and within the first five minutes, it's very likely that they're going to ask you if you have kids. And then when you say no, it gets awkward. Like people just expect you to say yes. And so then you, and then they're like, oh, well, didn't you want kids? Like, and then it's like, I mean, whether you did or not, like, you know, if you say, if you say, no, I didn't want kids, then people are looking at you like, oh, you're like a monster. Like you're this cold, like person who hates kids. Or if you say like, you know, yeah, I wanted them, but I couldn't have them. Now all of a sudden it's really personal. And they're like, oh man, I just got into something I do not know how to respond to. Um, and usually you get all of these follow-up questions like, oh, well, don't worry, it'll still happen. Or you could just adopt or, you know, all, they'll start telling you about what you should do to have a baby. And it's really hard to have those interactions like every, every time you meet someone, you know? Um, and yeah, I mean, it does change. I think mean, it changes your um, your relationship to your family. Like there's a lot of pressure Um, in a lot of families, uh, not, not mine, but I, I hear a lot from people in the, in the childless community of, you know, um, parents who will say, oh, but I wanted to be a grandparent or, you know, put a lot of pressure on their kids. And that can be extra hard if you feel like not only were you not able to make this happen for your life, sorry, this is going to make me emotional because I see how much pain it brings up for people in the community, um, But then there's like other people in your life letting you know that you're not living up to their expectations as well. So, you know, oh, we wanted to be grandparents and you let us down. Or um, you know, if you have a partner, I've heard not mine, but like some partners um, actually will like leave their spouses or, you know, and find someone who can give them kids. Like it is so ingrained in our society that people have the expectation of you, you know, your friends might feel like, Oh, but I thought our friends were going to, or I thought our kids were going to play together. I wanted our kids to grow up best friends. I wanted to experience this with you. Or, you know, your, your siblings might say, Oh, but like, we, we need more cousins. We really wanted our kids to have cousins. And that pressure, like, if you're already dealing with all of this grief of like, this didn't happen for me. And I'm having to figure out what that means for me. And it's like, just destroyed my life and I'm like in this deep grief and then other people are coming at you with like their expectations that you also let them down that's a lot and I think for some people those messages start really really young like as a kid if you have parents that are saying like well you gotta make me a grandparent one day or like when are you gonna have kids like right when you get married or you know putting that pressure on It can start even before you know that you have fertility issues and it's like a lifelong buildup of hearing these expectations from people of like the role that you are supposed to fulfill for them and what they expect for their life in terms of like, I expect you to make a kid because of how, what that will do for my life. Mm -hmm. It can be really hard to like have to come to terms with all of those messages too. So I'm sorry I got emotional. I just, this is something that comes up so much and I see how much pain it causes for people. And it just feels so unfair because there's so much work we have to do to like navigate our own grief. Yeah. It's really hard to then like have to navigate the expectations that everyone else is putting on us too.
1: Yeah. And people putting those expectations on someone as if someone had a choice in the matter, if they had a choice. Right everyone would be happy with the outcome, but that's not the case.
0: Right. And, and also, I mean, I would say like, just cause I have a lot of friends too that are child free by choice that they get a lot of this too. And maybe even more so because they can't say, well, I tried it and it didn't work for them. It's like, you know, if you, if you chose it, you get even more of that. And, and it's so unfair to like put on people like, we shouldn't have the expectation that someone else is going to have a child for us and I think we need to listen to people when they say like this choice isn't right for me I don't I don't want kids or I can't have kids like just listen and accept that and don't keep pushing because so much of what we get is like we'll try something else do something else you'll change your mind like let's figure out how to get you to parenthood (laughs) and I wish there were more responses of like yeah that's cool like Uh, you know, don't have kids. Like that's a great option too. Like, or I'm so sorry that you couldn't have kids. Like your life is enough. You're going to, you're going to find other things that you love. And like, I'm here for that, you know, or like maybe even, I think about this with my mom a lot because I think her and I get to experience time together in a different way than I think if I had had kids, what our interactions would have been like. And I love that time that I get with her. And a lot of times when we're hanging out, we'll both comment on that. Like, it's so nice that we can just like sit at this coffee shop and talk for two hours. I don't know if we'd have this time if I had kids or like, you know, we we just do Finish things your that would have been harder. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think like, you know, maybe let's recognize what roles childless people are playing in our lives. Like, If we are contributing to the lives of your kids and being like another adult that they can count on, another person who's loving your kids, if, you know, we're helping out in other ways or different, I don't know, like, I don't want to say we have like more freedom because I know we have a lot of responsibility still, but I think we have more, um, a lot of us have more choice in where we invest our time and energy. So we do fill it up with other things, but there's like more choice in where that goes. And I don't know. I think a lot of times we get ignored, but it's like, maybe look at the childless people in your life. And instead of saying, gosh, it's so sad that you don't have kids or like, I wanted you to have kids so that I could be a grandparent or whatever maybe like take some time to appreciate like what those people are adding to your life. Because if you think about it, they probably are like already contributing to,
1: to your relationship and,
0: and adding things to your life.
1: That's a really good way of turning it around. Um, I read an interesting facts among adults, uh, aged 40 to 49, about one in four men and one in six women are childless. That's more than I thought. Yeah, I actually,
0: I've read closer uh, to one in five with women, but I think the numbers kind of fluctuate. So um, yeah, I mean, by the time you reach the end of your childbearing years, it's a really big percentage. And I think it's surprising to people because we're often invisible, because the idea is that we're lacking, that we're not like fully adults, that we're not like fully functioning in society or contributing, like we're kind of seen as outsiders. But actually, if you think about your life, you can probably identify like, oh, actually, my aunt doesn't have kids. She's a childless or child-free person, and I don't really know her story. And she's not always like included in holiday events the same way that the siblings with kids are. Or like, oh, yeah, I had like this teacher who was a mentor to me and that, like had such a big impact on my life. Oh, they didn't have kids. Like, I think that we... We all know a lot of people who are childless, whether it's not by choice or that they're child-free, and we just don't really recognize them in that way. And um, so, yeah, I guess I would encourage everyone to like think about who who of your friends, who of your family members, of like people that you interact with, people at work, who might be childless and like experiencing some of these things too. And it hasn't gone acknowledged because especially for people who are childless, not by choice, m- I would say the majority of us do not talk about it.
1: Do you think that you can ask about their story, about someone's story, if it comes from a good, non-judgmental place? Or is it kind of a subject that's really hard to bring up? I think it's really hard
0: to bring up because there are going to be a lot of people who are not going to want to talk about it um, for a lot of reasons. So it could be that there's still a lot of grief there and they are not ready to like open up about it because they maybe feel like they're not going to be able to like control their response or like talk about it in a way that um, without like getting super emotional. Um, I also think that there's still stigma attached to being childless and child-free. And so a lot of times we have experiences where maybe we have opened up and have been met um, negatively or with responses that are, that make it like harder so often the response is trying trying to give us advice for how that can still happen for us it's like the goal is always going to be parenthood and it doesn't even matter if someone says oh yeah we explored all of our options we're good we're not you know we're not trying anything else people are still going to be coming at you it's like but you could always still adopt you could always still do this and the experience is so misunderstood that like you can't It's really hard to have those conversations because the other person often doesn't have enough education or awareness about what the experience is like to not say the wrong thing.
1: This is totally, uh, and I would also love to discuss about what the right thing is to say, Um, but I read this a lot on your page as well. So many people are running into people constantly telling them, oh, but have you thought about adoption? Have you explored this route? Have you thought about surrogacy? And it's such an invasion in someone's, path, their journey towards where they are. It's really fascinating that so many people are getting confronted with those questions all the time. All the time. It's like one of the most common ones.
0: Like I, the number of times, even on my page, it's so often that someone will jump into the comments and say, well, why don't you adopt all the time? Or like on social media, I see this all the time too, where like someone will share about being childless or that they're going through an infertility journey. You do not have to look hard in that comment section for somebody to mention adoption. Yes,
1: that's really the experience I see on your page as well. What is a good reaction when someone in two scenarios, once someone like a friend tells you, this is where I am right now, or if someone's already gone through this journey like yourself, they're a couple years in and you're meeting each other, what can you say best then? And it, maybe it's the same response. but what how can you be helpful to someone?
0: Yeah, I would say in both of those scenarios, like listening is going to be your best bet and asking questions that don't have assumptions attached to them, trying to just show up in a way that is supportive. To me, I think things that come to mind would be saying, um, you know, you mentioned that you're going through this, this, that sounds really hard. What would support look like for you right now? Or like, I'm here if you want to talk about it. I I don't know what this is like, but I want to I want to learn more about what you're experiencing, uh, what you're experiencing, and I want to be here for you. So like, what would that look like? And then I think just like checking in, like letting that person know that they're on your mind, and saying like, you know, maybe just sending a text every every week or something. I mean, depending on how how close you are to them, you know, but like checking in and just being like. Hey, just want to check in with you. How are you doing? Like, do you, is there something I could do for you this week? Like, do you need to talk? Uh, the the one thing I'll add, because because you asked also about um, if somebody is is kind of past their their infertility or maybe they're past their childbearing years and they don't have kids, like, is there a different way you'd approach them? And I would say, um, a, I hear a lot of people in the childless community say, I feel like my friends and family felt like my childlessness was something that was like an event and then it's over and I get over it and it's just done. And a lot of people will say, I just wish that people every once in a while, like my friends or my family members would say like, Hey, I know that this was like a hard experience for you. What's this like for you now? Like, are, I'm, I still think about you with this. Like, what, how are you feeling about this to not make assumptions? Cause they may say like, I'm thriving. Like, I'm super happy. I'm doing great. And, like, that's good, too. But you might be surprised. They may come back and say, like, yeah, I'm really struggling with this still. I think about it every day. I still have a lot of grief. Grief. I'm still, like, really processing this. Thank you for asking, you know? I think that that that's something that you can do kind of over the course of your relationship with that person.
1: I'm really happy you brought that up because you're absolutely right. There's that side of it too, which uh, affects a lot of people. And I can only imagine the grief journey being the same. It doesn't really matter what caused this, you um, being childless. But the only thing that matters is that, that that's the fact. And the griefing that, pass- that comes after that is the same. And the person also needs the same support. Yeah,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: exactly. Thank you for for pointing that out. Um, I would love to hear, what advice would you give women that are going through this process right now, the griefing process? So
0: let's see, if you're someone who is still hopeful, um, this one's harder because I feel like it is so hard to live in that in-between space. I would say um, specifically for those who are going through infertility to be very proactive about your researching your decisions and and making decisions that feel right for you and not feeling pressure to pursue something because other people are telling you that you should. So it's very easy for someone to be like, just try IVF. Okay, are you, do you have 60 grand you want to give me because I could, you could put 60 grand into it and still end up without a baby and you have 60 grand in debt now. Look into your options but all, and and like pursue the things that you want to pursue and that are like available to you that feel like the right decision. You know, there's a lot of people who are childless after infertility who never try any medical intervention because that's the right decision for them for like a lot of different reasons. You can feel guilt around that. Like, well, I guess I'm not really childless, not by choice, because I could have done something more, right? Like I could have done IUI cycles or I could have done an IVF. And I think we need to normalize that those aren't good solutions for everybody. You are going to be okay no matter what. And you'll find, then like look for support, like look for the support that you need of others who have been through it so that you have people to like talk to about it. For those who are have come to acceptance of it. It's it's not an easy process to go through. I wish I could be like here's my five tips for like not having to feel mm-hmm. grief. And I don't have those. <laughs> but what I will say is like there are things that can be helpful. So even recognizing that there's a name like that grief for a lot of us is what we experience and then being able to to find like tools and resources or therapy that can help you like work through grief. I think it also requires like identity work. So you do have to shift who am I, which might sound weird, sound weird, because like I said, you didn't actually change anything like you didn't have kids. So you were already childless. But when that becomes permanent, you do have to think about like, what does this mean for my future and like who I am and who I thought I was going to be the I don't know, the hard thing about it is like you do kind of have to go through a certain level of like feeling it and processing it to get to a place where you can feel better. And then the biggest thing is like, you don't have to go through it alone. So I think it can be really hard to like find the other people who are experiencing what you're experiencing. And it is really hard to like find that. But once you do, I think that community element and just having spaces where you can share how you're feeling and and get that echo back of like, yeah, I get it. I feel that too. I've experienced that too. There's so
1: much power in that. What are some resources you can recommend for someone going through a tough time? Yeah. So, um, well, I, of course, we'll start with my own. So um,
0: I do have an online um, private community. It's for women and non-binary people who are childless, not by choice. It's called the Childless Collective. So of course you can join us there. Um, We have a lot of events and we have in some areas, um, local meetups that happen. We also have a very robust, like, forums like chat forums with different topics and different subgroups so you can even meet people who might share your circumstances like we have a group um for black indigenous and people of color we have a group for lgbtq plus um, people we have a group for people who are single we have a group for people who are jewish like we have so many different subgroups um one for people who are childless after infertility so we have a main community and then we also have these other kind of I don't know, like separate rooms or groups where you can like talk to people who share similarities with your experience. So obviously, like check that out. It's it's a really beautiful community. Um, but in addition to that, there are a lot of other places you can go to. So um, I love Instagram. That is where I first got connected to community. A good way to find those is um, by looking at hashtags like um, childless, childless not by choice, or um, the one that my my friend uh, Tanya Hubbard and i created um, is called embracing childless and that one we wanted something unique because even like childless gets used by like parents who are maybe on a trip or a date and so they don't have kids mm. for like a few hours and they'll use childless yeah, and course. so you will get pictures of parents <laughs> um or like even childless not by choice for some reason a lot of people in the infer- infertility community use it um, who are still trying and so i don't know why they use it but they'll a lot of times you'll see posts of um, people who went through infertility and are now pregnant. And so you'll see a lot of like pregnancy announcements. Um, so we created Embracing Childless as a, as our own hashtag that is unique enough that it wouldn't get used by some of these other groups. World Childless Week has a list, a list of like groups and service providers and support groups. So you can check out their website um, to see what offerings are there. If you are a man and you're experiencing this, there is a Facebook group that is run um, by two really awesome guys, Andy and Mike uh, Michael, and they run a Facebook group. I think it's just called the Men's Childless Group. It's something like that. If you search like Men's Childless Facebook group, I'm sure it will come up because it's I think the only one. Um, oh, and I'd be remiss, of course, not to mention Jody Day, who um, has been doing this work for over 10 years now and is, I think, one of the first people that people one of the first people that you'll find if you start researching um, childlessness. So Mm -hmm. she has over a decade of work on her website, um, Gateway Women,
1: that you can also check out. Amazing. I'll also put these uh, on the website, uh, 30andabit.com. My final question to every expert always is, if you could give the listeners one takeaway from this episode, what would it be? What would you tell the women that are childless, not by choice?
0: Oh, that it's going to be okay. You're going to have to unpack a lot. You're going to have to deconstruct a lot, but you can rebuild on that. And you can be really like conscious about how you want your life to look. And you can think about some of the things you hope to get from parenthood. And I'm not saying you can like get to parenthood in other ways. I'm not one of those that's like, I'm going to like mother something else, but I don't, that doesn't resonate with me. But like you can find meaning and purpose and joy and like relationships and love in other ways that feel really fulfilling. And your life isn't going to be less than someone else's. So that would be my advice for people who are also childless, but I would guess you might have a lot of listeners who are parents. And for them, I would just say, you know, that I, I hope that you have listened with an open mind and maybe like this has made you think differently about people that you could, rec- could recognize in your life who are childless um, or child-free um, and maybe just send them a little like extra love and support today, like send them a text and let them know you're thinking about them. And I don't know, just be aware that we're here and we're in your lives. And um, that may look different than the relationships you have with other parents, but um, we're probably making valuable contributions to your lives too. And um, yeah.
1: Beautiful. That was such a beautiful ending. Everyone, please go follow Childless Collective on Instagram. Um, You'll be able to see the reactions in the post, the comments in the post. There are so many people going through this right now. Um, So in case you're going through this, you'll find a lot of like minded people. That is at Childless Collective. And thank you so much for being here. And um, I love it that you've given us both a view on being child free and a uh, child not by choice on how to kind of navigate that with friends and just being kind and open-minded. And we should send someone a text today. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Everyone. Thanks so much for listening again this week. Next week, I'll be back with five questions and I wanted to let you know that we are nearing December, which is a bit scary, but in December, the whole month I'll be putting out weekly episodes Um, with an interview with an expert on how to survive the December month so we're going to talk about narcissistic family members we're going to talk about fighting and apologizing it's going to be a lot of fun make sure you stick around and please follow us on socials at third and a bit pot and please leave a five-star review on apple and spotify it means and it helps more than you know see you next week